Welcome to A Rabbi and a Lawyer Walk Into a Bar, a podcast with relatively well-informed and irreverent musings on religion, news, and society. And now, for your hosts, Rabbi Asher Lopatin and John Geringer. Hello, Asher. Hey, John. Good evening. This is, I can't even ask you how you doing because it's such a difficult uh, period for, for Jews all over the world. And not just for Jews, I think all moral, loving people. Yeah, I wonder if it's really becoming a clash of civilizations. Well, you know, I, it's interesting. I, I was reading the Wall Street Journal had one article about like how Dostoevsky talked about how the intellectuals in his time were morally corrupt. And, you know, in the in the era of, of Marxism, intellectuals in, in the Soviet Union and then certainly in Germany. I mean, we've had a lot of experience with twisted morality. And I think to a great extent, usually come out of it. So, you know, there is a there's some positive hope that we can have. Well, hopefully some of the people who were being used as useful idiots realized that they were being used. Yeah, I don't know what happened to those marks. I think they like they, were, they grew up and they went to Wall Street. <laughs> they got jobs. Right. Or or a conservative is a liberal who's been mugged. Right. Yes. Yes. I mean. It, it is my my brother was asking, like, how do these people that are so irrational like they're or not just irrational, but, you know, believe in a different set of facts like this didn't happen. That didn't happen. How do they, you know, get jobs like don't when they go to work, don't you need to go with facts or maybe not? I guess maybe not. Well, funny you mentioned that. I don't know if you saw some of the public letters from some significant amount of law firms basically saying. Yeah. We don't want them to work here. Yeah, I think that makes total sense. I mean, look, I, I'm not saying that they should be condemned for life. You know, they're silly students, whether they're in high school or undergraduate, even law school. I mean, whatever, you know, but yeah, they won't get their first job that they want because they're fools, you know, and maybe in 10 years they'll prove themselves and they'll see how silly they were. You know, we, our, our lieutenant governor in Michigan, Garland Gilchrist, who's a great man, very, a very good friend of the Jewish community. And But, you know, I think 10 years ago, he's a young man. He wrote some stuff. So I don't believe in branding people for life. You know, uh, Ulysses S. Grant you know, was an amazing uh, example of a president that, you know, when he was a general, he wanted to ban Jews from one of the cities that he reconquered in the South. And then, but then he did Shuva. And so everyone has a right. But yeah, if you want to, if you want a job right now, then you're out of <laughs> you should be out of luck. Right, it's not a youthful indiscretion when it happened last yeah. week. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, but well it's, it's put, not right. it's not just these knuckleheads, right? I mean, we just passed a shul that some of our friends go to, a, a pretty left leaning shul, and they still had a Black Lives Matter sign a, a big sign hanging from the synagogue and i sent our friends you know the text that the black lives matter chicago sent oh, you know a few days after this horrific atrocity that was a, a picture of the hand glider yeah. with the palestinian flag and supporting that and i said yeah. how on earth does your synagogue have a black lives matter flag not to say we don't agree with elements of the black lives matter right. 
agenda. Right. But if you go back to some of their originating documents, mm -hmm. and then you couple, and then you couple that with, you know, not being ashamed about putting a Palestinian hang glider on a picture supporting it, words escape me, which is pretty rare, yeah. as you know, for me. Right, right. No, I think that right, and I think a lot of Black people don't like the Black Lives Matter movement or the organization. But I think that. I would expect a synagogue to protest, you know, was there an Israeli flag right next to it? Or we stand with Israel right next to it? Nah, not so much. Well, that's, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know if we talked about this. It, it's very annoying seeing Jewish people that are anti-Israel that are just so naive, I feel, you know, at, at best. And then totally misguided and are, you know, the ones that had the sit in in the Capitol and Jewish voice for peace. And if not, even if not now, and, and it's, it's, but it shows the resilience of the Jewish community that we can have these knuckleheads doing this and we don't burn down. I'm not advocating this. We don't burn down their <laughs> houses. You know, we, whatever, that's okay. That's the Jewish community. There's, it's a very small percentage. I just saw a statistic that 90% of Jews support Israel. So it's a small, small percentage that are non-Zionist or anti-Zionist. But whatever, we live with that. And, and they're around, they're, they're, you know. So I think that, that that's a sign of a kind of a resilient uh, community, perhaps. Yeah, I, I've always said that I, I'm looking forward to see the Shalom Akshav, the Peace Now movement in the Palestinian community. You know, once we see exactly that. Exactly, right. You don't see that, right. Exactly. You don't see it. They can't even come out public. And they, because I know one of our doctors did, I think I mentioned that, and came out publicly condemning Hamas. And he was, you know, really almost drove him crazy on, on social media. But but so I saw today on Facebook that Rabbi Menachem Creditor, who's a wonderful rabbi, I think he's the rabbi of UJA Federation of New York, said that if not now is not allowed to use his song, Olam Chesed Yibane. You probably you might have heard it some of your rallies. So a, wor a world of kindness. Yes, yes. So it's it's. Uh, it's it's adopted from a classic source, but from a pasuk. But he did he wrote the song and then arranged it in the music. And he said, "If not now, is not allowed to use that song." And really good for him because I don't think that they're leading to a kind world. They're leading to a world filled with terrorists that kill people. And and there's also an echo of that in the protest we see in this country, right? That, you know, I don't know if you saw what happened at the White House steps. Yeah. They were, you know, kind of bull rushing the, the fence oh and put and putting red paint on it and 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 desecrating, you know, statues in DC. Like there there's a there's something about the tenor of those protests. Yeah, that man. are that that lay in such sharp distinction with ours. Yeah, I realize that most of the people listening to this podcast are kind of on on our side, but side of morality. But I do think it's a little bit ridiculous that and and I'm happy that we're having a pushback. You know, comments. You know that when people are afraid, like 
Islamophobia. People are afraid of Islam and afraid of Arab Americans and Muslims. When these protests of tens of thousands of people are these angry, violent protests. So shouldn't people be afraid? I mean, when there are days of rage, days of rage are scary. And the truth is Jews are scared. So of course, there's no excuse for any violence against Muslims or Arab Americans or anything like that, violence or, or any kind of harassment. But to be scared, I mean, why not? I mean, that's what these rallies are all about. So it's just very strange. Yeah, I mean, it, it, each one of them that I've seen looks like they are on the verge of committing violence. You know, it wouldn't that it wouldn't take much to cross over that line. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, I think that, you know, it's really, it's, there's so many tragedies here. You know, I, I always look at Rashida Tlaib, who's like, really, I mean, she tries to one-up herself, you know, genocide that Jen Biden isn't genocide, you know. Why don't you run and primary her? You know what? Someone just suggested that to me, but I, I don't, I, I, it's very tempting, but my shul is not in Southfield. My shul is in the wrong district. Now, legally, you do not have to live in the district. That's correct. I mean, I actually, look, for our listeners on this podcast, this is one of the things you get to, I asked Shmuley Botea whether he wanted to run against, he wanted to move to Southfield and made me run, but I don't think so. I don't think I'm the right, it's very tempting, you know. John, when I don't know if you have you ever been tempted, like I would love to be in Congress and have a, you know. Look, when I when I was in college, I interned on the Hill. I interned for the White House. You know, you see these grand majesties of buildings. You get sucked into the patriotism. I really felt like going into Congress was going into our version of the Holy of Holies or or when I you know, worked as an intern at the White House and saw not just the West Wing, but the Oval Office. You mm-hmm. are, you know, you have this sense of awe. And, you know, as a first-generation American and, and all of that, that there was a part of me that thought about it. But, you know, I watch way too much C-SPAN now. And <laughs> I would see who my colleagues are. And it is insane. I, I don't know if I could bite my tongue strong enough to deal with some of these people. But, you know, that makes it so exciting. I'd love to have lunch with Marjorie Taylor Greene and, you know, and Schmooze. And what, what, what were you thinking about those lasers, those Jewish laser beams? <laughs> I know. Well, tell her to put her money where her mouth is and support the iron beam. <laughs> exactly. As we well, talked I, about last time. I mean, the other problem is you spend half your time really dialing for dollars and doing fundraising. Well, that's the thing about running against Rashid Tlaib. You know, you have, there's a lot of potential money there for people that are really angry. Like one little letter about, you know, she's she's the best fundraiser for someone against her. You know? That <laughs> coupled call... with, with our millions of listeners on this podcast. <laughs> exactly. I know. This will be, yeah. You know, I could I could call Rashid and say, Rashid, I need another rant against Israel because I need to raise another hundred thousand. <laughs> right. And and send out letters with lots of exclamation marks. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, it's I you know, I love my shul, I love my job, I love all everything I'm doing now. I don't know, but it's it's very I, I thought that maybe 
you know, Rahm Emanuel, if you're listening to this as ambassador to Japan, I thought that when he was in the shul, you know, he when he left Congress, if he would have said, hey, Asher, take my seat. You know, then, uh, right. uh, like when normally folks in Congress give it to their kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You want so well, you wanted that easy glide path. Yeah. Well, yeah. you you would have been the first. You would be the first rabbi, right? I think so. I mean, I'm Father Drynan was a priest. He was a ma- wonderful representative from in, in Boston and in, from Newton. He was a great. What a, a tzaddik, a wonderful man, Father Drynan. And Joe, and Joe Lieberman was close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's amazing. He's still on. It's amazing. He's great. Yeah, I, I, you know, but I'm not so good with names. I don't know if I'd be so good. <laughs> you are. <laughs> that That's what I told, you, you know, your, your former colleague and our new rabbi, uh, Rabbi Rachel Feingold. She, uh-huh. she just started at our shul. And and she is getting to meet everybody. And I said the same thing. I could never have your job because I'm so bad yeah. with names. I know. Like I think in Congress, I wouldn't. There are what 435 members in the House, right? And then add another hundred for the Senate. Yeah, I would like you are. What <laughs> state are you from? <laughs> you know. At, at least they have those pins so you could differentiate them. <laughs> I, I know you're not. The, I know you're not staff. I know you're not. I know you're. <laughs> You vote, but uh, no, I think, but, but, you know, honestly, yeah, it's very, it's been, that's been frustrating, but I, I, I think people of Michigan, I don't know, we've had a lot of conversations with our Muslim colleagues and they haven't, I think, I hope that the atmosphere and I feel it, I feel it and I hope it's accurate is, is kind of calm and that there isn't tension between the communities because the truth is in, in Michigan, the Arab American community and the Jewish community, uh, we, we were work together in the hospitals and all that. And I just wouldn't want, you know, we're doctors, we're lawyers, we're, you know, everything in the car industry. And, you know, I wouldn't want there really to be tension in, in Detroit and Michigan from, from the Middle East. But everyone is, you know, I understand. And my, one of my Muslim friends said that the real, the two things that really get to his Arab American friends are babies seeing babies killed. And you know, tragically, in Israel's war against Hamas, many babies have been killed. Certainly Hamas killed. So, oh my gosh. But in the war against Hamas, there are babies that are being, that are dying from, you know, uh, right. trying to get to Hamas. And then, and Al-Aqsa, you know, what happens on the Temple Mount, on Al-Aqsa, if someone is just shoved by an Israeli guard because they're dying, and that really gets to people. So, you know, it's it's been. I understand people are on edge, and it's very, very painful. I'm just, you know, got to get through this. I just, I pray that that Israel gets to the hostages and rescues them. That would be. We need another Entebbe. You know, Hashem, God. I don't know what happened on October seventh, but you know, give us another Entebbe. That's what I say. Well, let, let's let's get to that in a sec, because I do want to get to that. But but the one of the best ideas I've heard is to recreate the Beirut deal. When, you know, once we've de- yeah. taken out as many Hamas folks as we can, we tell whoever's left, we'll give you a safe corridor out. Who knows where they'll go? Maybe Iran. And in exchange for that, in exchange for your safe passage out and you can no longer lead Gaza ever. We want all the hostages back without firing any more shots. And then we bring in the Saudis through a peace deal. We bring yeah. in their money. We bring in all the Abraham Accord countries as peacekeepers. 
and we stabilize the place for a while. No state yet. I think we talked about that last time. So yeah, I, I like yeah, the, yeah. the Beirut approach of, you know, basically kicking them out and getting all the hostages back because I'm just so worried about tunnel warfare and urban yeah, warfare. Oh. It just, but, but let, let's get back to the trauma you talked about earlier. You know, th this era, yeah. I know you've had a loss in your community uh, of, of Sam Wall, who was a leader yeah. in the Jewish community. How, how do you pastorally deal with this, both for yourself and your congregants? Well, actually, I think one way is, and I is crying. Honestly, this is. I think I might have mentioned to you. This is the the first Shabbat, the Saturday that I I've given a sermon that I have not cried. the the first The first Shabbat after October seventh, I was I was I could barely get the words out. I was bawling, and then I cried again, and then I cried, and but this one was the first one. And I remember at not at Sam Wall's funeral where I spoke. But at her shiva, and remind everybody who she is, who she was. Yeah, so Samuel was this incredible Jewish leader. She was the president of the Isaac Agree Downtown Synagogue. She was a board many years a board member of RJCRC AJC and very active. She would always show up. She went on our civil rights trip to the South, and she really got very close to a lot of black clergy and and Jewish clergy. And, and then she, she was there for when we had a, an event with the Latino community. She was just so active. And she was behind the scenes, worked very hard with the Muslim community, with younger Muslims to bring Muslims and Jews together, find a way, even after October 7th, to come together. Um, very close to the Hindu community. There are some Hindu leaders like Padma Kupa, former rep, state rep, who was very, very close with her. And so really just was a huge bridge builder. And, and just and she was someone who on her front, she had a Black Lives Matter and a We Stand With Israel sign. So mm -hmm. she was someone who was able to put together these, wor these worlds. You know, it's interesting that we've talked about Rashid Tlaib a little bit and Sam had a very close relationship with her where they were very friendly. She was not at the funeral, but she, but after I saw on the floor of the house, so Alyssa Slotkin, Representative Alyssa Slotkin, that's where I met Sam Wall. She was our board member. She was working with Alyssa Slotkin with, on her campaign and then in her office. So Alyssa Slotkin read a beautiful piece about Sam Wall from the house floor and the entire Michigan delegation was there. And I could see where she Lee was there. And I think they just had a close relationship, even though, on the other hand, Sam Wall, and this is so important, was loyal to the Jewish people, loyal to Israel. She worked when she representative a, represented AJC. She had to speak out against the Iran deal, the JCPOA, because that was AJC's position, even though she was very progressive. She might have been in favor of it, but she was very loyal to the Jewish people and and to her family. And it's just so devastating. You know, it's another case of, you know, God, what, and this, you know, her father was just, God bless him, was just so upset. Like, God, this is, she didn't deserve this. Like, what is going on? It's like October 7th, you read about the people kidnapped, people killed. It's like, wow. It's, you know, theologically. And we still but, don't know motive, right? No, they still don't. They don't, they do not think it's a hate crime. 
But really, until they find someone who did it, it's really very difficult. But getting back to, you know, your point, it's crying. Uh, oh, so I was at the Shiva during the week of mourning. Her house was packed. Uh, hundreds of people were there each night. And they asked different people to speak. And I spoke for just briefly. And I cried also. So I think one of it it's, was, has been therapeutic for me to be able to cry. And I think it's therapeutic for the synagogue and to see that even for my kid, Gideon is there. He has to try to comfort me, you know, and in synagogue, he's 16. And But I think that's therapeutic that people see you can really be emotional and you could really be upset. And I've talked a little bit theologically, a little bit about, you know, how to deal with where was God. Yeah, I feel like I've got a cry that's stuck. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it's going to come out at the worst possible yeah. time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I've been holding it in, and it, that's probably not a good thing, as my therapist wife would say. <laughs> but, but it's stuck deep in the bowels somewhere, just waiting to be uncorked. Well, you know, John, you, you're you're one of the people that I look up to that as a son of a Holocaust survivor. Like, I sometimes I say to myself, like, you know, I am going to keep on believing in God and being faithful to the Jewish tradition because people that I know that, you know, went through the Holocaust or their kids and they're still, you know, you're still faithful. And and if those folks can keep to it and, and not just this generation, but those who saw pogroms, those who saw the Crusades, those who saw the destruction of the temple, you know, the 10 martyrs that we read about on Yom Kippur, then I'll... I'll trust you guys, you know, that you're still stick with it. <laughs> well, what's what's even more dramatic to me is is seeing those who were directly touched by it on October 7 and seeing yeah. not just Israel coming together as a society, but kind of doubling down on their faith, even people who didn't have faith before. We had oh you know people I, I don't know if you saw the correspondent on the news uh, when when yes. a couple of the hostages were freed, took uh, a kippah uh, from somebody else and gave the Jewish prayer for yeah. releasing the hostages. Yeah. Or or people, you know, who normally don't put on to fill in and sit sit, you know, the kind of religious garb yeah, that we yeah. wear in services, wearing them even if they weren't observant before. So it's almost a, a reawakening of sorts where you it's think incredible. almost. The, the normal reaction saying right. what kind of God would allow the worst atrocity to visit mankind in 80 years or well, yeah, depending, I mean, on where you, depending on where you look, right? You can always look at Rwanda. Right. You could always look at other places, right? But at, right. Least, at least to our people and, and yet still maintain that faith and, and then even say, I, I'm going to explore the faith further. Yeah, it's incredible. There's that film, The Last Days, about the Hungarian Jews, and Representative Lantos is in it because I think he went through the camps at the end. And he, they talked about that the only place they could say the Friday night prayers, Kabbalat Shabbat, in the concentration camp was in the latrines, the smelliest, most disgusting part of the camp, concentration camp, because they knew that the Guards wouldn't go there. It was just so smelly. So that, and that's where they said the Friday night prayers. And they, you know, it just, it is incredible. So that's where I, you know, honestly, that's where I draw, you know, inspiration that, that if they could do it, then I can do it. Then I can put up with a God that, you know, didn't show up 
on October 7th for eight hours. In some places, there were miracles and that God did. So I don't want to put God on the spot, but, you know, and I, I think, be I, think we can, I think this is one case yeah. in our lifetimes where we can, where we can put him yeah. on trial, so to speak. Yeah. I think, yeah. right, if, if, if our people are called right. Yisrael, right, wrestling yeah. with God, if we can't do jujitsu now with him, I don't know when we can. Right. Yeah. 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 No, it's, you know, and that's right. That is, you believe. We say when we talk about the Messiah coming, we say, you know, even though the Messiah will tarry and will go through up and down and bad things and all that, we know that we stick with God. We still believe. So, you know, that's, um, but, but I know that JFS and, you know, Jewish family services are really, you know, they're there to comfort people. And then this week in our federation, on top of it all, we had some, I don't want to, you know, uh, someone with mental issues who tried to get into the federation and he, <laughs> he was armed. Yes, it was a BB gun, but he was armed. And they called. <laughs> I can't believe lock- we're laughing about this. I know. So they called a lockdown, and we went into lockdown, and we ran and shoved the thing under the door, and we ran into my office. Luckily, my office has a beautiful view of the parking lot where this guy was arrested, and was, so we we got to watch our whole office got to watch everything going on. So it was uh, you know front row seats, but. That added to the, you know, the whole building on lockdown that really added to the scare. And and I think it's a pity because I want people to be more Jewish and more proud and wear your kippah and wear your Jewish star, that kind of thing. Yeah, except the Israeli government issued uh, a memo to all Jews around the world, be careful about showing <laughs> off your Jewishness. And 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 I, I heard the spokesman when he said it out loud, he said, I can't believe I'm saying this, but... Uh, We're issuing a global warning to all Israelis not to basically show that you're Israeli. For Israelis, right, right. But uh, yeah, I. so it's interesting. And, and, I, and presumably by extension, the rest of us Hebrews. Yeah, I, you know, I heard, and it's, a, I don't know, I heard that, that people in our little neighborhood that ordered Ubers were when the Uber came, it turned away because they were wearing a kippah. I don't know. Today, I we have a big Israeli flag in our in our house, and I pre I, I I'm out of town. I flew out of town this morning, so I pre-reserved an Uber, and my driver Ishmael. <laughs> so, which is also interesting because it's in uh, the, the the portions of the week of last week and this week, and so. He came and there's no problem and it was no problem at all. But I'm sure you wished him a shukran at the end. <laughs> well, I don't even know if he's Arab. I don't know. I, you know, I, I didn't. I don't like talking. I'm not one of those that likes talking to cab drivers or barbers. I just, just you know, do your thing. I love you and just leave me alone. That that shocks me. I, or, or maybe it shouldn't because I think. Lahavdil, I'm not making a comparison directly, but you and Howard Stern, you know, Howard Stern would say the same thing, that he spent all day talking. Once he got home, he just wanted to poop out on the couch and not talk to anybody. Yeah. You know, that is, I'm I'm flattered, John, to be compared to Howard Stern. (laughs) Wow, that is. But I I, think that's a good, you know, that's a good segue to what I think is going to get us through this besides faith, and and that is humor. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, because I'm sure you've been following the same things that I know I'd send you stuff like the crazy uncle that sends you all sorts of other social <laughs> no, media great posts. Stuff. But, great stuff. but some of the stuff our people have been doing have been absolutely brilliant. There was some some rockets that were it's signed in, in Hebrew. Say this one's for Chandler Bing, the the friend's character who died this week. Oh there was I don't know if you saw that the Houthi the Houthis put out a, a video basically looking towards Jerusalem. It was very well done, I have to say, you know, with great music, like many of them typically do, and fantastic graphics, and and some entrepreneurial person basically switched out the music to the Vienna Boys Choir singing Yerushalayim, you know, a, a very high-pitched young boy singing about Jerusalem. And it was it was perfect. It was so good. And you know, there's a few others that have popped up here and there that I, I think humor is the other thing that is going to carry us through the day. Yeah, I think that's our power. And I think, right, I mean, Jews have always been able to live through these tough moments. I think you're right. The, uh, I remember the movie, it's not such a Jewish movie, actually, but the movie Life is Beautiful, right. the Holocaust movie, which where he tries to keep his kid thinking that <laughs> the concentration camp is all one big game and they're right. vying to win a tank. And, you know, it, it's not that it's a joke. It's, it's very serious, but it's that sort of how we get through it by otherwise the world is such a cruel place and you gotta, you know, almost delude, you know, delude yourself a little bit or, you know, divert yourself a little bit. I really think it's our superpower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, it's too bad because the mayor of Madison Heights, um, he's not gonna be able to run again. But he, he's an interesting character. But it's not a, but he's like a philo semite. So he says he loves Groucho Marx and Larry David. He, those <laughs> Jews are so funny <laughs> so, you know, and clever yeah, so. and great with money. Yeah. Well, that's, a, you know, a few weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole thing, anti-Semitism. At some point, we should talk about that. And, you know, some of in European anti-Semitism, it's just so, it's so ingrained and it, it pops up again. I, I, But I'm hoping in America, people will say, we don't tolerate this. You know, we just don't. Because, you know, it was, it was so taboo, anti-Semitism, really, for a while, for a few decades, at least, you know, I'm sure behind my back or our backs or whatever, but in general, just we're not polite, polite society. We're not allowed for it. And then the last decade or so, it's really popped back up. Well, we were driving this evening through the North Shore and Kenilworth, a famous suburb where there weren't a lot of Jews there. And, <laughs> and all I could think while I was driving by, I told Jen, you know, I kind of miss the old school anti-Semitism, just when they didn't let us into law firms and accounting firms that we just made our own. That was a sort of a kinder, gentler anti-Semitism in some sick way. Well, it's, you know, I do think that there's also a reality check that we're in a very different place now, even though there is anti-Semitism. But I think my father-in-law was saying that there were neighbors you wouldn't wear your kippah, you would never wear. In fact, you wouldn't wear your kippah anywhere outside you know you wouldn't cover your head you wouldn't self-identify as jewish so you know in some ways we've come a long way baby you know we've come a long way and 
And I think things are so different because like John, like you said before, they're now in the past, there were law firms that would not, the prestigious law firms would not allow Jews in. Now there are prestigious law firms that don't want to let anti-Semites in, right? From from Harvard. So, right. you know, I think we, we got to- Not too shabby. Yeah, exactly. See, what a good- <laughs> no. But I have to tell you, and I mentioned uh, uncorking tears, the, the few times where I have become a little misty are when non-Jewish colleagues or, or friends, you know, reach out or people I haven't seen at, at work conferences in a long time, take me aside and say, just want to yes. know, John, thinking about you and thinking about your people. That's when I lose it a little bit in a good way. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, and it's in the the when you least expect it. I went to the Delta Sky Club today. I have a credit card that gets me in and <laughs> well worth it. Good value with that. Wait, hold on. Card. Hold on. The Delta Sky Club. So does that mean they give you water and peanuts or how fancy oh, is Delta it? Delta is so much better than all the other airlines. Sky Clubs are the best. And many of them, not the Chicago one, but many of them have kosher meals that they, you know, those airplane meals that they'll heat up. They're the Wilton, my, the Wilton Foods. Well, Wilton, I used to fight with them all the time. They were terrible. This is my favorite meal, which is good, which is actually quite good. I think they're oh. made here in Deerfield, my own meal. Yeah, my own meal. Yeah, because they're it's Rob Soloveitchik or Moshe Soloveitchik gives the supervision. Yeah, so it's like I, those kosher MREs. Right, right, exactly. So when I was going in, the guy who checked me in, like, sort of, you know, did a thing on his heart, you know, like he's thinking of me, which is so sweet. And so you're right. It's just so, this is, America is a great country. I, I don't know. I, it's not. Germany, 1928, 29. This is a great country, America. And, you know, and we have many friends and you just have to just read the Wall Street Journal. That's it. And watch Fox News. Or, you know, for dessert. <laughs> careful, careful. <laughs> for dessert, watch Newsmax. You know, the main course, Fox News, and then Newsmax. Or I don't know if One America is still around, but. Uh, oh, boy, I hope not. <laughs> so, look, we, we should end on a, on a high note. Some good things you're looking forward to, John, this week? Yeah, we've been <laughs> teaching about how to go after Hamas terrorism finance. So that's pretty exciting. Going to give a little class on that. And yeah, that always uh, warms my heart. How about you? What are you up to? Um, you know, I want to work on the, we have a vigil for the hostages. And I really want to work on our Muslim Jewish relations. There's one one Muslim leader that, you know, I, I really had a deep, deep conversations with. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to developing that a little bit more. And I'm excited, by the way, you said this coming week is Rachel Feingold. Is it Rabbi, Rabbi Rachel Feingold? It's going to be her first official Shabbat, I think. Right. She had an unofficial one last week and then was gone for a week. And this week we're bringing her on. Your, your former colleague is now going to be officially our Rabbi. We're all very, very excited for that. Yeah. I mean, how many members is Mariah? Uh, I don't know these days. It's a good question. 300? It could be wrong, but yeah. it's uh it's I suspect she is going to be a magnet for the place. Yeah. That's we amazing. had a lot of people who hadn't been there in a long time coming back and there's a new energy in the air and her first speech was fantastic. Uh she hit a, a absolute grand slam 
and uh, she brought her family and everybody's real excited to meet them. And she's a few houses down for me, which is great. Because oh, uh, nice. now I'll have uh, three rabbis on the block, making it a very <laughs> holy block that I live on. And hopefully uh, it'll be our version of Iron Dome. <laughs> That's great. Wow. Well, well, we'll enjoy it. You know, Mariah deserves a lot of credit for, you know, thinking out of the box, hiring an Orthodox woman rabbi. You know, that's great. You should be rewarded for your out-of-the-box thinking. We're going to have plenty to discuss on that topic, I assume. Excellent. Well, John, this is, uh, it's always a comfort talking to you and, and, and knowing that there's at least two people out there listening to our podcast, so... And when you run, make sure you make me your campaign manager because I'll be all in. <laughs> Look, I'm really tempted. I'm tempted, but uh, we'll see. I'll talk to my uh, advisors and uh, my, the, the the APAC crowd, and we'll see what what they what they say. <laughs> well, I'm excited. That's the best news I've heard in the last three weeks. Actually, Look, least... the, the the best the only other thing that brought a bigger smile to my face was yesterday a, a good buddy of mine from high school who I hadn't seen in a while bought a new Ferrari convertible and Ooh. took me out in 100 <laughs> miles an hour down the street. And we played my favorite song from my favorite show, Miami Vice, while being in a Ferrari. Oh. It was 50 degrees outside with the top down, and I didn't care. So I'm not sure which put a bigger smile on my face. Either way, I'm in a lot That's better mood than I've been in a long time. So thank you. That's awesome. That's being Jewish in America. That's amazing. That's great. Good. Well, enjoy the higher things and the Ferraris, and we'll speak to you soon, John. I'm in. Great chatting as always. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Rabbi and a Lawyer Walk Into a Bar. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to get our next episode delivered right to you. If you really like us, please consider leaving a review and sharing this with a friend. That would really help our efforts. And finally, to contact us and for more show-related information, please visit our website, rabbilawyerbar.com. Special thanks to our production team, David Stone for the introduction music, Andrew Bauman for the artwork, and I'm Nicholas Tantillo. This podcast is co-produced with Front and Social Studios in Chicago. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent. Copyrighted material, all rights reserved.